Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Fluke.com. We are previewing spring football. It's expected, not expected, it's on the schedule to start a week from today. The NFL Combine is also happening right now. So we're going to have a lot of coverage on the on this podcast this week about the NFL Combine. But spring football is around the corner. So this is going to be our version of a spring football preview. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're going to draft the nine most intriguing players for Ohio State spring football. And we will discuss those players, and it should give you an idea of what we plan to be watching, what we're most interested in, what matters most for the Buckeyes this spring. And then we'll get back to a lot of combine coverage later this week. And then we're going to have, a, you know, like we're supposed to have the first Ohio State spring practice day next Tuesday. And then we start talking to people and hopefully start watching some stuff. So Nathan Baird, off the top, let's remind people it doesn't mean these guys can't be drafted, but we're not going to learn anything by their presence. Maybe we would learn something by their absence. But there are some guys who we know who are going to be hurt and not taking part in spring football. Who are they? So this was a list that we were given on February 1st by Ryan Day, and he said it was one that could grow. But as of that day, these are the guys they declared out for the spring. And that was Julian Fleming, Emeka Buka, Tommy Eichenberg, Trevion Henderson, Mitchell Melton, Court Williams III, and Evan Pryor and Jacob James. So most of those guys, uh, you know, Mitchell Melton, Court Williams, Trevion Henderson, Evan Pryor, we knew those guys had surgeries last year, sometime in the last year, late last year to some extent, um, or in the preseason and we're coming back still. And then Fleming, Ibuka, Eichenberg, and James, those were newer things. But uh, some of those guys, especially Eichenberg, we knew were banged up already at the end of the year. All right, I'm going to go first in this draft, and I'm going to take a guy who I believe I don't have this. We don't have this confirmed yet, but I think he may be also coming off a minor surgery, but I don't think it will affect him for the spring. And I'm going to take Sonny Styles, who is going to have to have Bryson Shaw destapled from him mm. before practice starts. But then once he gets out there, I expect that, that Sonny will be able to let it rip. And so the reason I'm taking Sonny Styles is because I want to see where they put him. I want to see how they use him. 
I want to see if it's possible that he looks like the best player on the defense now that he's settled in. And Steven means we got a tiny, tiny piece of a peak of Sonny Styles last year. He was a freshman last year. He was an early enrolled guy. Last time Ohio State had a guy of this profile who gave up his whole senior year of high school to early enroll, he went back to Kambucha, Texas before he got a chance to be like a real Buckeye. We got mm-hmm. the tiny little peak of Quinn Ewers, and then we never got the real thing. Now we got the tiny little peak of Sonny Styles, and now we're going to get the real thing. This is the beginning, Stephen, of the real... Now, I guess we could ask Brock Bowers. He was out there in the stinking playoff semifinal playing. So we did get that. Whatever 14 snaps, whatever it was, that Sonny Styles played against Georgia. This is the beginning of the real Sonny Styles, Stephen, and I can't wait to see what it looks like, how they use him, and what we think its impact is going to be. Yeah, the last guy got homesick and went home. This guy can't really get homesick because he lives 15 minutes down the street. But it's in it. He unlocks a lot. And the way that Jim Knowles, his his face is lit up every time he's been asked about him, uh, the way Barry Eliano has talked highly of him and how he's never really looked like a freshman, which it's not because he isn't supposed to be a freshman. It's because he, he he's so much more mature and how he's talked about part of the reason why he got here so early is he always played up. So he was used to playing against older people. So this was not going to be a hard transition for him. He just unlocks so much for this defense if he's what we all think he is. So I agree. I like it's not so much. Oh, what does he look like? Is he really as good as we think he is? Just, where are they using him? Because what's the idea of Sonny Styles in the Jim Knoll system that best maximizes him, but also best maximi- maximizes the defense over the next two years? And it does seem like, Nathan, they, they have options here, right? We think Lathan Ransom can kind of move around on the back end there if they need to. We feel like Sonny Styles can do that. We don't know how exactly Josh Proctor or Kai Stokes or other safeties are going to fit in. This is an intriguing group, but... I don't know. Would you have taken Sonny number one, Nathan, or is this too high? I had him in my top nine. I wouldn't have taken him number one, but that's almost a – that tells you a lot about what we think about Sonny Styles. First of all, we should say the, – the thing you said at the beginning, I, if you didn't listen to Friday's pod, that makes that's your no fault. sense to you. That was you. <laughs> no, no, I just want to make sure that you're not putting it out there that he actually had surgery. To remove a player who was stapled. To right. Him. Right. Okay. Should we give if you didn't listen to Friday's podcast, go go back and listen to that. That wasn't that he was we were talking about a, a, a fictional surgery that Doug conjured because he didn't draft uh, as savvily as I did in the moment. But and I joked that in the draft we were gonna make Nathan's team staple Bryson Shaw to Sonny Styles. But to our knowledge, that didn't actually happen in real life. So it's just a stapling. Correct. Joke. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. No, correct, but you shouldn't correct. mess around with surgeries. Point taken. You shouldn't mess around. Did you guys hear on Buckeye Talk? Some kind of staple this, this surgery. This is what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah, this no, is what no, I'm no. trying to avoid. There like, are definitely you know some people is. out. Yeah, there's definitely somebody out there who heard surgery, yeah. didn't continue on, and went, oh, my God, what's wrong with studies? And then you in listen the last, to the rest of it, it's like, oh, okay. You know how many tweets went out in the last 90 seconds? Yeah. Heard on Buckeye yeah. Talk. So. Yes, it was all. It was all just bringing it back. It was a callback. It was a Buckeye Talk callback. Yeah, rewarding a the Buckeye loyalists. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I didn't have him as high. I had him in my top nine. I did not have him this high, but mostly because, in a weird way, I feel like there's some certainty with Sonny Styles coming into the spring. I feel like he's going to be in this starting lineup. Now, you make good points about where he fits in. Decide some other things, 
But I think we're at a point now, having seen the confidence that they put in him as a true freshman, especially late in the year, and the the fact that they do already have some holes to fill in that secondary, and he has clearly been pointed at by important people and said that's the guy who's going to fill them. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by what it's going to look like, but it, it doesn't uh, answer huge questions. I feel like the question's already been answered. Like, Sonny Styles is going to be on the field. So now it's just a matter of what does it look like. I'm always intrigued by guys that, is he just going to move different? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm, Ryan Shazier, he just moved different than other guys. Mm-hmm. Chase Young just moves different. Malik Hooker, once he got it rolling, just kind of moved different. Like top-end Marshawn Lattimore healthy, just kind of moved different than guys. And so I'm, there's like an eyeball thing of, I just, I want to see like him, if we get some, you know, people listening to this again, you guys know by now, we get a lot of stretching. We get a lot of early drill work. We think we'll probably get eyeballs, right, on the first day of practice. And then maybe we hope at some point in the middle of spring, maybe we'll get a longer look at one practice where you get to see some 11-on-11s. And that's when you can really see some of this stuff, both in terms of the depth chart, but also in terms of uh, that guy just looks different. We don't know. We don't get to watch every practice. There's 15 practices. The 15th is the spring game. The other 14, like, we don't get much. But you're always on alert for when we do get it, is there going to be like a, oh, oh. And I think the guy, like the the woe moment from a guy, just how he goes about it. The newest woe moments available, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. He has a woe moment in practice. Like, yeah, well, by the way, this we're a couple days now removed from this, but Stephen and I were at the basketball game on Thursday night. Marv Jr. and Marv Sr. at the mm-hmm. basketball game. Marvin Harrison's two of them at the Ohio State basketball game. Kyle McCord was there too. Right, Stephen mm-hmm. Kyle McCord was there. Jaden Kyle Ballard. McCord and Jaden Ballard, yeah. So the only roommate missing was Emeka Buka, who also was the only roommate not playing, not participating in spring football. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway... Uh, that's why I took Sonny Styles number one because I think I there's a chance that when we get eyeballs on him, we're gonna say whoa. Steven, you have the second pick. Where are you going? Same direction with the woes. Um, shout out to Justin Fields, always hitting it better than any quarterback in the country. Um, I just want to uh, see. Justin, I saw you do a dance on TikTok. What do you call yeah. that fancy dance that you do? That was the question I asked Justin Fields when he hit the whoa. My daughters enjoy game. doing a TikTok dance. It makes me feel cool to ask you about this. That was me. And Justin Fields was like, could you be older and lamer? But he was very nice about it. But he did hit the woe, Stephen, right? He did. He Come hit the on. In front of the entire team, he hit the woe. Um, speaking of, I hope this guy hits the woe, but in a different way that makes us go woe. CJ Hicks, I want to see him just do awesome stuff. Because we're, I've, we've talked about it enough, this idea of, can he force his way onto the field when your two returning linebackers who played all the meaningful snaps, especially in the second half of the season, are back? Well, Tommy Eichenberg is out. I would expect Steel Chambers to not be going 100% of the time just because he's a returning starter, and that's how they do things in the spring. So there's going to be a lot of snaps for these younger linebackers who haven't had a chance to do much. I just want to see C.J. Hooks look like a five-star linebacker. That That is everything that, whether it's James Laurinaitis who just got here or um, Al Washington, how he would talk about him as a recruit um, behind, uh, off the record a lot of times, or you know uh, Jim Knowles would talk about him, the things that you would see 
played the way I evaluate is talked about. I want to see that stuff this spring. I want to, he's going to get every opportunity to do it. I want to see him start doing that stuff. I want to be able to leave this spring and know we can say that guy needs to be on the field. I don't care who's coming back. Yeah. The spots there for Sonny. The spot is not as clearly there for CJ Nathan and this opportunity. Now Eichenberg's the one who's out. He's a middle linebacker. CJ Hicks isn't a middle linebacker. So this really is more of a Steel Chambers, C.J. Hicks conversation. But regardless, right, you just open a little bit of stuff up. And to that point, that's exactly it, Stephen, right? Is it just mm-hmm. like, well, whatever else is happening, C.J. Hicks needs a role here, Nathan. That's, that is a, a little bit more of a complex conversation than it is with Sonny. I had Hicks higher on my list than Styles because he's the one that kind of upends the apple cart here. If he shows up and is just the dude – and now what do you do? Now do you have to uh, do you demote a starter to get this guy on the field more? Or do you make it a timeshare like what they were kind of doing last year early on with Chambers and Cody Simon? Is it, Or do you find some way that you want him on the field in certain situations? I don't know. But it, it, it's he's the – whereas I see that Styles has a spot. I feel like Sonny Styles is a starter on this defense. We assume that right now. We don't assume that of C.J. Hicks, but we also – weirdly assume that he has the highest talent ceiling of anybody in that linebacker room. And mm-hmm. so um, we weren't necessarily go back a few years where you had that, that group that what was a 2018 linebacker class that was blocked by just several guys ahead of them. And it never really worked out Taraja Mitchell being the last remnant of that, who finally left the program after last year. We never really, I think assumed that those guys were more talented than the guys ahead of them necessarily. We just always assumed that when they got their shot, they would take it. And that's what didn't really happen here. I, well, people we, I, I think we maybe assumed they were more talented than tough Borland. Um, okay. But Taraja probably, but, but that was okay, more about, but our perception of tough than our perception of Taraja. I think that is definitely the way I would say that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and by we, you're saying like literally the entire world, <laughs> like the collective, yeah. everybody who watched like this, an assumption everybody made. So, um, but I think the opposite is true here. I think everyone looks at CJ Hicks and they're like, that's a, that's a guy, but you have to re- respect what Chambers and Eichenberg's especially have done these last two years. And, and Eichenberg not being around for the spring doesn't really mean anything because that's your starting Mike linebacker this this fall, no matter what. So yeah, I, I had Hicks higher on my list simply because if it is a, if, like, if it's a no doubt thing that we see this spring, and it's actually probably a thing that would show up more in preseason camp, maybe than the spring. That was where the decision would probably be made. But this is an opportunity for him to do what we've seen guys do the past few springs. Like a guy that we're going to talk about later on this list, Jordan Hancock. Last year, what he what he did last spring, where it was like, okay, yeah, they've got Cam Brown back, they've got Denzel Burke back, but what if Jordan Hancock's actually maybe the best cornerback here? Like he's really showing out at times this spring. Like maybe you start to have that conversation about CJ Hicks. And that's a good comparison because clearly Jordan Hancock showed that and they were prepared to react to it. And then he got hurt. But the way they talked about Jordan Hancock, again, as it evolved the conversation as he continued to be out by the Mm -hmm. end, it was like, no, this guy was like, we was going to start. Like we finally got a, so they were open to that, and that was with guys coming back. So that was okay. A fully healthy Jordan Hancock, I don't think it's much dispute, right? Would have been a starting corner for them last year. 
I guess, over Cam Brown. So I don't think it's a completely dissimilar conversation of what Steel Chambers would be in this conversation to what Cam Brown would have been in that previous conversation. Doesn't mean they aren't good players. But I do think if you want to be a great program, you have to let supremely talented sophomores play if they're ready. Like you can't. That's not. Georgia lost everybody in the NFL draft, go, but go back and look. I think seven of the top 10 Georgia defenders last year in snaps were first or second year players. You've got to let these guys play or you're not going to be who you can be. So this is a conversation that we've had a lot in the course of Buckeye talk. But right at the moment, it is primarily centered around Sonny Styles and C.J. Hicks. And it just so happens that Sonny Styles has a clearer path than C.J. Hicks does. But I don't think it's a shock that they were the first two picks in this draft which brings us to pick number three in Nathan Baird. So listen, I, I don't want to be boring, but I had the quarterbacks one and two on my list, and I think they could kind of go in any order, but I put Kyle McCord first because... Okay, so let's, can we declare this? Because, you know, we're just doing the draft to talk about stuff. Let's just lump them together. Okay. Let's just do it. Okay. So this is the quarterback. I think that's the fair way to do it, yeah. I think that's probably the best way to do it. 1A, 1B. Um, and listen, because here's the thing. If Kyle McCord is it and show and is showing it this spring and is like confidently taking command of that job kind of the way we saw CJ Stroud do in the spring of 2021 right like he he had was already walking it and talking it a little bit and then was when we saw glimpses of it on the field it kind of reinforced what we were already thinking then that builds a certain momentum here that I think is positive for the program if Devin Brown does the same thing though. Like if Devin Brown shows up and he's it in a way that isn't just Kyle McCord faltering, I think that obviously starts to create a different kind of momentum and a different kind of energy. So whatever happens with this quarterback uh, decision, again, as we've talked already ad nauseum, we're going to keep talking about it. I think there's reason if you're an Ohio state fan for confidence that this works out correctly either way, that the it's, it, it could be a win-win situation no matter who wins the job, but uh, we haven't really seen that much of Kyle McCord. We've barely seen anything of Devin Brown. And we'd like to see these guys really play some football, whatever little glimpse that is this spring. And Steven, I do think this got more interesting when Ryan Day really seemed to indicate, right, that this really matters. He he didn't say, ah, mm. you know, April's April, whatever. We'll figure out in August. Like this, the this is the quarterback battle potentially. We very much may get a pretty final decision on this maybe it's not exactly announced but this is ryan day Corey dennis um this offensive staff brian hartline it's on right now and they're trying to figure out who the quarterback's going to be yeah i don't know if i would have taken it this high um just because there's only one way that this goes where i feel like it creates real fireworks in the room other, because I don't think we're necessarily worried about the quarterback play the, the same way we're maybe when we're talking about other situations here, where we're also interested in what it means for them on the field when it comes to the fall. But yeah, I, I think what's going to happen here is some f- portion of the fan base will assume that Kyle McCord is ahead if he's still on this roster when fall camp starts, because why would he still be here if he had fallen behind Devin Brown? So I, that that's it's it's uh, for me. I think the better way the quarterbacks. That's a fine title for me. It's it's Kyle McCord still here when fall camp starts, which means he made it through the spring, and I feel like he's still ahead at that point. But 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 Nathan Ryan Day did say right, like he they they want to like figure this out. 
here, yeah. right? Like, I don't know that they're going to have a ceremony and announce it the way they did with Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow because guys were just in a different spot. But I think there would be perhaps more closure or more finality to the discussion around this quarterback battle than just did anyone transfer or not, right? I don't know. Like, I feel like we're really getting a decision here. He's definitely open to it. That's the way he talked about it. And listen, like, I, I started at this job on, like, August 16th, 2019 or something like that. And that was the first – that was the day Justin Fields was given the starting quarterback job, which everyone knew he had from the time he transferred. Right. And and C.J. Stroud wasn't named the starter until August, I don't think, when everyone knew. So, mm-hmm. whatever. As far as, like, a ceremony, uh, we'll, we'll probably know before then. But – no, I mean he's he's open to some finality, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, does I think the that I think that is up to the players as much as it's up to Ryan Day to some extent. Like, does someone come in and seize the job? And, and more to the point, does Kyle McCord come in and say, "Hey, like Devin Brown is good, but this is my time. This is my job. This is what I've been building for." For you can read Cleveland.com, but the last two years and beyond that, um, and he's just it. He's he's the one who knows the offense, who knows the system, who has the trust in locker room, all those things. Uh, And more to the point, like I, but even if we don't get an answer this spring, I still want to see what this looks like. I want to see what it looks like when Kyle McCord is at the, and I know he's not going to have Abuka and and Fleming, so you're going to be missing two of your main receivers. But I want to see what glimpses we can get of what Kyle McCord looks like running this offense. What, what does Devin Brown look like running this offense? We've already talked about the potential stylistic differences between those two guys, the skill differences between those two guys. How much of that shows up when we get to watch any of those 11 on 11 little things. And in the spring game, obviously we'll get to see more, but I, I just want to see what it looks like. Cause I think it's going to look different in some ways, maybe than what CJ Stroud looked like, certainly than from what Justin Fields looked like. So I think there's two ways where, what we see this spring with these quarterbacks should be number one on this list and and that it should have been the number one pick. One is it's on. Oh my gosh. It's a coin flip. They both look great or they both look shaky. It is absolutely on and snap to snap, whatever we see, it's like, like this is a barn burner of a competition. If it's that there's nothing better than a quarterback competition in football. It's the best thing there is. So if it's that it's number one or If one of them is clearly winning the job and in doing so looks like the Heisman winner and it's like, oh my, is that Trevor Lawrence? What is that? Holy moly. That looks like, I don't even, that is unbelievable. If it's that and we think we are watching the next Mount Buckmore quarterback at Ohio State, it's like CJ was good and Justin was good, but oh my gosh. If it's that, it's number one. The reason I didn't take it, number one, is because it's super important, but I think it's going to be neither of those things. And my guess it's going to be, ah, Kyle McCord looks good. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. At, which, which is really vital, but also wouldn't be a shock and wouldn't be as much of a woe or uncertainty like as the two guys we picked. So, but, Stephen, we also know, you think you know what you're going to see. It's the most important thing happening in spring football, but I think there's a decent chance we get what we think, which is the older guy who's a five-star recruit looks ready for the job and looks pretty darn good, and we'll see in August. Yeah, I think we just, unfortunately, it feels like we know the script here to you know 
poke at Twitter and the NFL right now, but it's, I feel like that we know the script and we're, I don't know how much of the, whoa, what is that? That looks like the Heisman Trophy winner. We're just going to be able to see because we're so limited in how much practice we can see. And neither one of these quarterbacks, even if Devin Brown is a little bit more mobile, he's not Justin Fields mobile. I remember the 2019 spring game where there was one play where they didn't call it dead and Justin Fields got loose and he was on the run. And it was like, oh, that looks, I didn't have that last year. That that was a little different. I don't think we're going to get that moment. And so I don't, because I don't think we're going to get that moment, it's just going to look, they're going to look really good in the spring. And then we're going to get to fall camp and they're going to look pretty good there too. And then they're probably going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist because that's just how the Ohio State quarterbacks have been lately. But I am not banking on the, oh my Lord, look at this. This is ridiculous moment that because we just haven't, they've had, the three three straight quarterbacks be Heisman Trophy finalists, and only one of those guys really gave you those moments. That moment in the spring, and that was Justin Fields. Had to be drafted. Had to be drafted high. It's a quarterback yeah. battle at Ohio State. I mean, this is this is kind of the thing. This is as good as it gets. So we're super intrigued to see it again. If you guys haven't done it, I would direct you a to the big story that Nathan wrote about Kyle McCord talking to his family, talking to the people around him who helped them develop into this type of quarterback. And then I would direct you back to the podcast we did as a companion piece to that last week about Kyle McCord, where we talked about Nathan's reporting. We talked about Steven talking to Kyle along the way as a recruit and all those things. So if you want more sort of in-depth analysis of this quarterback battle, we've got it for you in written form and in podcast form. We just dropped it last week. And of course, we know you guys are reading cleveland.com slash OSU to check in on all this stuff. Okay, the first round is done. When we come back, Nathan Baird will start the second round of the most intriguing Ohio State Buckeyes for spring football, which starts a week from today. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Back for round two here on our Buckeye Talk draft of the most intriguing players for Ohio State spring football. Nathan, we're doing the snake draft. So fourth pick overall to you. So obviously offensive line, a lot of questions about that, and you could pick any number of people, and I think we will over the course of this, but I'm going to take Carson Hensman here. He was the guy that in early February, we were coming out of last season and having so many debates about uh, what are they going to do with Matt Jones, and what else does that mean for the interior offensive line, and who else would move up, and Hensman was not a name that we were mentioning very much, and then we show up for signing day and Ryan Day's like, no, that might be the guy at center. So let's see what it's about. It, it, it sounds like that's a guy that, that has impressed them in the right ways. And when you peel back where he came from and in some of those things, uh, it, it he, he falls into one of those things where um, we, we talk about these guys with some excitement when they're prospects and then uh, if they're not those five stars and top 100 type guys, sometimes we quickly forget about them. And I think maybe he fell into that category a little bit. But uh, if he can win this job and be a stabilizing factor at center as a second year guy, it answers a, a lot of questions for this offensive line uh, because they obviously have three big holes to fill. And, and this was the most unexpected of the three. Even though Luke Whipler is clearly an NFL draft prospect, they had reason to believe that maybe he would stick around for another year. When that didn't happen, it took what was already a problem on the offensive line and made it a borderline crisis if they didn't find guys internally to step up and solve it. And they think he maybe he's doing that. So I want to see what, if that's happening this spring. 
probably the most interesting name that came out of the assistant coach interviews on February 1st that Justin Fry and Ryan Day was kind of like, yeah, no, we think Carson Hensman is going to be the center, Stephen. So without that, if we had not talked to anybody, he would not be on this list because we would not have known that. But now that they've given us that tease, eyeballs on, okay, now we're going to, are we confirming what they said, which is like, oh, a thing that we thought was a huge hole on this offensive line no longer is because this dude, Carson Hinsman, is lined up ready to take it. Yeah, that was the next name on my list because it's, 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 Ryan Day did the thing that we typically have to wait until we actually get to spring <clears throat> spring practice to figure out is when you see some random person you weren't expecting to be with the ones, be with the ones, and it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. When did that happen? Ryan Day kind of not because now I'm kind of expecting Carson Hensman to potentially be with the ones with the offensive line when we get in there and see practice. We wouldn't have seen that for a couple of weeks, though, so he was very high on my list because they're trying to replace three starting offensive linemen. So – He's on the, he should be whatever offensive lineman tidbits that Ryan Day was willing to throw out there. Those are all interesting right now. All right. That's pick four. He was definitely on my top nine as well. Steven, we'll go to you with pick five. So uh, to stay with the offensive line, I was going to go somewhere else, but I'll, I'll stay with the offensive line here. I think Josh Fryer is very interesting because does he lock down that left tackle job? this spring. And if that's the case, you know, how much is that? I've, I've always seen him as more of a right tackle, but this is the situation they're in because they've been terrible at recruiting. So they've at the offensive line, especially the tackle spots with the ears where they're at. Can he lock down that left tackle spot in a way that makes you feel comfortable with what you have there? And that regardless of who wins the starting quarterback job, you feel like he's going to be protected, but then that also puts just as much of a light on the right tackle spot, whether it's Zim Maholsky or Tego Shibola, who's moved out to tackle at this point, really, you can say maybe just like we did with the quarterbacks where you say quarterback, you can say tackle, but I'll, I'll let Josh Fryer be the face of that because he's playing the position that from an NFL standpoint has a little bit more positional value. Are you more interested, Stephen, in the if he is of Josh Fryer or the assumption that he is and how good he looks? The latter, for sure. Okay. Because I didn't have him on my list of nine because I'm like, well, Josh Fryer's a tackle. Like, I what 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 else is going to happen? And I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell how great he is in spring football. So Josh Fryer is going to be one of the starting tackles. And then I don't know. I'll be super interested during the season if he's good enough, but Nathan, like this is, doesn't Josh Fryer, as long as he has two healthy arms and two healthy legs, doesn't he have to be one of Ohio state's two starting tackles? Yes. But I think that whether he's the left tackle or right tackle does matter a little bit. And if for some reason, someone else is getting one reps at left tackle, is it because someone like Zen Mahalski showed up and was like, hold on, don't forget about me. I can actually win this job. And then you can put Josh Fryer right tackle and actually makes this line better. Like there is, there's like a domino intrigue effect a little bit with Josh Fryer. But I also do think it is, I think this is a fair pick. I would have picked him pretty high too, because there is a jump between being the sixth man. Hey, we're glad to have you kind of utility role thing and being the starting left tackle for a team that wants to win a national championship. Like that's a jump. And and Josh Fryer wasn't plan A as we've talked about before, the difference between plan A, plan B and 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 on so on down the alphabet. 
And I don't even know if he was necessarily plan B as far as when Ohio State was recruiting offensive linemen, thinking he was going to be a left tackle of the future. He was a interior offensive lineman a lot in uh, high school, and uh, they thought he would eventually grow into a tackle at the college level. But to be the starting left tackle at Ohio State is different. I mean, just we, we, we just got done talking about what Paris Johnson meant to this program and what someone like Thayer Munford meant to this program. And you've got to be, especially with a first-time starting quarterback, I think left tackle is important. So it's there is some intrigue here just in how Josh Fryer handles this jump, this bigger responsibility, this bigger challenge. Nathan, when we the first time that we get eyeballs on what we perceive to be the starting offensive line, whether it's in a drill, whether it's a 11 on 11 or whatever, who are you expecting to be the first team left tackle and right tackle? I would expect Josh Fryer at left tackle based on what they said on February 1st. And I would expect probably Tegra Shibola at right tackle. Steven, what's your expectation for that left tackle, right tackle? I think that's right. Shibola at right tackle, Josh Fryer at left tackle. And Zen Mahalski, we think, sort of third guy in that mix? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I do think we have to have the tackle battle represented here. That, to me, I, I'm i not expecting a woe. No offense. And I don't know that it'll be decided, 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 decided. That's it. You know, like it's done. Because I could just imagine, right? The Dewan, when did Dewan Jones two years ago to now seize that job? Oh, that was like in mid August, right? It was preseason camp. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we went into preseason camp thinking Nicholas Petit Frere is still at right tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. possibly moving outside. And then because Dewan Jones emerged, it reshuffled everything. So I am kind of operating under the. Eyeballs matter. Okay, let's see. Let's see. But maybe there's still room for some like, okay, whoa, what, what's this? Vic Cutler, what, you know, like something weird with the offensive line in August. I'd, I wonder how set it'll, settle it'll be this spring. But a lot of intrigue. This is an intrigue draft. So we have to talk about tackles. This is a good pick. We have to talk about tackles. We have to talk about tackles. I am a little more curious about off the radar, guys. So I'm going to wrap around here with these two picks. And I guess this was my actual list. I didn't have the quarterbacks on my list. I was kind of like, just let you guys lead the quarterback conversation. But these are the guys that I had second and third on my list. Because I feel like I know nothing about what this is going to look like. So to finish the second round here, I'm going to take Jermaine Matthews. And I do think, Stephen, is he the most interesting, intriguing, early enrollee? Right, it's 11, 11 guys in early from this freshman class: Jermaine Matthews, Will Smith, Josh Padilla, Luke Montgomery, Austin Saraveld, Miles Walker, Noah Rogers, Carnell Tate, Bryson Rogers, Jelani Thurman, Malik Hartford. Stephen, right? Is that the correct list? And if that is the correct list, is Jermaine Matthews the most interesting of those eleven? Probably because he's the one where you can make the biggest case for that. If you tell me he's going to be a starter when they take the field against Indiana, I could believe you. So it, did you guys did you guys have Jermaine right. Matthews on your lists? I have other cornerbacks on my list. He was number nine for me. Yes. Okay. So this is a cornerback conversation. We're not, we won't lump all, all the positions together, but you think Nathan 
Are you more interested in like Jordan, like healthy Jordan Hancock kind of stuff than necessarily Jermaine Matthews as an early enrolled freshman? So, yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying about Jermaine Matthews and and him being the one out of this group that if you were to start on opening day would be maybe the least surprising. What I think is better for Ohio State, though, is, you know, with Denzel Burke back as a two year starter, Jordan Hancock back as like the. The, the the lost starter from last year, the guy who was supposed to be in that mix and was missing all of last year. And then Davis and Igbenison coming in from a starting spot in the SEC. I, I think it's better for Ohio State if those three guys emerge and really lock down starting cornerback spots. They become the rotation. If, if Jermaine Matthews then beats them out, if Jermaine Matthews is better than those three guys who are like veteran guys at this point and really experienced and have already shown some skill at a high level, then that's obviously that it better mean that he's really good and that somebody from that group stumbled back or just isn't it. Like they really need, I think, that that triumvirate to take this defense up a notch. They need to be relying on those veteran guys um, to get it done. I don't if Jermaine Matthews does it, that that makes him intriguing. But I mean, he would have it would have to be a big jump over guys. I mean, Jordan Hancock was a a a, a highly touted prospect in his own right, and it, it's kind of a, a rival time or not for him in some ways. Yeah, but we but but this yeah, is intriguing. Uh, I, I want to see Jermaine Matthews. Like, I want to see him. I want to see what he looks like on a college campus. So I'm most intrigued for the corners for Matthews and Igbenosan because we haven't seen him at Ohio State. I know, like, they love Jordan Hancock. So as long as Jordan Hancock's body holds up in the spring, we know Ohio State loves him. Like, I don't feel like I, what I'm curious about, I I don't disagree with your assessment of the cornerback room, but if you're asking me, like, who do I want to see? I want to see what Jermaine Matthews looks like, Steven. And then I also, I had Matthews and Igbenosan on my list. I did not, I don't have Denzel Burke or Hancock on my list, because as far as I think I know, Ohio State likes those guys for sure, and we'll see what happens with the other guys. I agree. We haven't seen those two, and I want to see them. And I halfway agree with Nathan's assessment, the idea that they need the veterans to step up. I am kind of past that with that room at this point. I don't care. I just need to see two guys who are dudes in that room, whether it's the two guys who just got here last month or it's a healthy Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock or some mixture of those two. I just need to see two guys where I feel like we it's like, in the small sample size that we're going to get from Marvin Harrison because he's a veteran and then also against maybe these second teamers, I just want to see dudes who are looking like dudes and I feel confident. I can feel like this fan base should be excited about what that cornerback room is doing. And it did, it doesn't matter the age at this point. We're four years into bad cornerback play. So I, if I, I, I'm with Doug and wrapping that around Jermaine Matthews and Davidson Igmanosin because they're the new guys, but it doesn't matter to me whether they're old, young, or indifferent. I, we just need to see dudes from that room at this point. Yeah, but we haven't seen these other guys. So they're more intriguing. We, we want to see. We need to see. I, I, and I have, again, Igmanosin on the list. We don't know. We, we know he was good where he was. We don't know yeah. what that looks like right. in an Ohio State context. All right, so I'm super excited with my last pick here, my third-round pick. This guy was third on my list, and I'm excited to pick him, and I'm excited to see it because I feel like he is a completely clean slate. And I wonder if he might be the answer to something that we've been sort of waiting for a little bit, and it's Kenyatta Jackson. And it is the idea of, we talk so much about 
the Bosa Bosa Young legacy and that Zach Harrison was a good player and that JT Tuomolawa and Jack Sawyer are good players. But man, the idea of just a game wrecking sack monster at Ohio State, isn't that a game changer? And what if Kenyatta Jackson, who is right long and top 100 recruit and just might be a quarterback eating monster and he just was a freshman last year and just didn't get to do anything. And what if that starts? So that morsel, Nathan, that idea, even if it's only in my head, he's a, he's number 60 recruit in the country. He does have a year under him on the list of guys who I'm, I'm thinking maybe we get out there and it's like, Whoa, who's that? Oh, that's Kenyatta Jackson. I think that exists here, which is why I have him really high. There are really some parallels here with Mike Hall, who his freshman year, you know, similar range as a recruit, you know, middle of the, the top 100, a guy who really didn't have a role as a true freshman uh, because he wasn't ready for that role yet. And, but who had just huge upside coming in and created some buzz coming in. And then it kind of just had to, to percolate there for a year. And then what does he do between, you know, now and the start of next year? Because we saw Mike Hall. By the time we got to August last year, people were talking about Mike Hall. People were like, that's where all the baby Aaron Donald stuff had come up. And he used that offseason to turn himself into what he was for the first half of last year, which was just a difference-making piece of that defense. And I think it absolutely the door is open. You have to always be ready for when one of these um, upper tier edge rush prospects hits for Ohio state. And the the door is open for him to do that. I mean, as much as they have these other returning guys in Tumalo and Sawyer and, and Caden Curry, who was the one of that freshman class who took the first step and got out in front. I think it's very possible that Jackson just shows up and, and has that thing. See you on your list, Steven. He was high on my list. <clears throat> He's actually the first defensive lineman on my list. And one of only two on the list. <clears throat> and the reason some of this is there's an element to him. The first time I saw him in person that felt like, what if Zach Harrison grew up in Florida instead of Ohio? Cause I remember you, you had gone to seeing Zach Harrison play in high school and you weren't, you, kind of walked away not that impressed it was just he's just bigger than everybody so he just pushes everybody around but there was it's no the skill yeah yeah it's just it's just hard to really gauge how good he is and it actually played out in his career there the athleticism was always there but the skill and technique needed to catch up and i think that's part of why zach harrison never became a sack guy but what if he grew up in florida playing at a program like shaman madonna prep where they're Throwing five stars out there. Jeremiah Smith's from there, the top wide receiver in the 2024 class. Ryan Turner's from there, who's also in um, uh, Kenyatta Jackson's class. What if you put him there and he spent the 18 years of his life there? What does that mean for his development when he finally gets on a college campus? Is he ahead of where Zach Harrison is? Is the first time we see him, he's, you know, two or three levels ahead of where Zach is just because of that type of stuff. Cause they're, they're similar body types already. That's an intriguing prospect to me when we're talking about sack guys, because of that exact thing, if you take Zach Harrison's athleticism and just put it in the South for 18 years, and then you bring it up here, what happens? Higher level spring football, all of those things yeah. where you just get to develop higher level competition around you, that kind of thing. All right. So I'm good. I'm glad you guys uh, agree on the Kenyatta Jackson pick. Steven, we're back to you. I'm going to go with the other defensive lineman on my list and it's Jack Sawyer. And it's less about 
I know he can get after the passer. I'm, I'm not, I think that's something that he has proven he's able to do at the college level. I want to know what they're doing with him. Is he still doing jack stuff or is he just a defensive end? Because if he's just a defensive, I think that's the better fit for him and his body type and what his game is. But, but why? They, why? Have we had that? Isn't that a change? Didn't we all think that Jack was the perfect Jack a year ago? And then we saw how it played out. And then the way he was talking about it when uh, the first time we got to talk to defensive t- starters when we were down in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, he just never really felt all the way comfortable with it. They never really used it to its maximum potential. Uh, it, 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 it just never seemed like it was a, mer- a match made in heaven the way that me maybe thought it was going to be. And maybe he just needs to be a guy who can, who was a traditional defensive end with his, with his hand in the dirt type of guy. So that, con- that the conversation I had with him in Atlanta has put me in a, what are they doing? Are they still having him do Jack stuff? And does it feel like he's actually making progress towards being a Leo or have they just allowed him to just be a normal defensive end? And are they trying other guys at that Jack spot? I also had him in my top nine for this exact reason, Steven, but yeah. I'm just kind of the idea of, why it didn't click, Nathan, is interesting to me of like, do we think it's more about it's just not the right role for the player? And that this is not a criticism of Jack Torrey, but it's like it's just he's just it's just not the fit for him. Or is it more that the role itself for a first year defensive coordinator wasn't fully developed and that creates frustration for any talented player who's trying to slide in there because it's sort of like I'm learning this new thing and we don't even use it. What do they really want me to do here? Because if it's the player, it's just not the right fit for Jack. Then okay. But if it's the role, and now we're going to have a better handle on the role this year, and you know what? Jack Sawyer still is the exact right kind of guy for this. Then I wouldn't want them to give up on it. But the point of the intrigue is, do we see if a decision has been made? Or Nathan, if this spring is the process maybe for a final decision to be made because they've kind of said, we want to figure this out. And I would guess maybe by August, they want Jack Sawyer doing what he's going to do in the season. And they want to decide. So, yeah, I'm like you guys intrigued by the, the Jack outcome. I didn't actually have him in my top nine though. I'll get to that in a second. Last year when yes, Doug, we did say of the available options and the guys that you want to have on the field as much as possible, Jack Sawyer made the most sense as getting that Jack opportunity. That's very different than saying he is an ideal Jack. I I think that is an important distinction. And I agree with Steven that I think because he wasn't recruited for that kind of role. He wasn't preparing for that kind of role his whole life. It was just something that was brought into being last January when Jim Knowles got here and that they were slowly folding him into. And it's clearly something that Jim Knowles wants in his defense. The really complicated thing here is I think Jim Knowles knows who on this roster right now he thinks would be the best Jack, the most intriguing potential Jack to him. And it's a guy who's not playing this spring. It's Mitchell Melton because he's talked about Mm -hmm. Mitchell Melton on multiple occasions and how how he was impressed by him last year and moving him to the defensive line opened up some things and he's not going to be playing this spring. And so I, I also am intrigued by what they do with the Jack this spring. I'm not as intrigued by the Jack Sawyer thing necessarily individually because I think they've seen the impact he can have as a pass rusher. And if they refine that, he's going to be on the field a lot anyway and can have a big impact. But if not him, then it's got to be – it will be somebody else because I think Jim Knowles wants that to be a piece of this defense. But I also think he's not 
they're not rushing it necessarily. It might be a thing that is a bigger part of this defense three, four years in because they find a more ideal fit than just someone who needs to be on the field who can play that, if that makes sense. I know what you're saying. I'm curious. I'm a little, I get it. First year install, you don't get all the way there. I do feel like in the end, if I'm just telling you, Jim, be careful. You do not want the Jack to turn in to this defense's version of the bullet, where it's a word that we don't say on this podcast anymore. And the promise, and we get it 20%, 40%. Hey, wait till the end of the year. Oh, it's going to really, and then it kind of just was never, I thought they would have gotten further along and it's fine, but I'm not having a conversation about the if, ands and buts of the Jack in year five, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. like, this is like, let's figure this out. Or lend this just play normal defense, right? So I don't know. I mean, I understand what you're yeah. saying, Nathan, but at some point, like, what are we doing here? I, I don't want to get into a semantics thing. I, but for to some extent, the they're they're not completely comparable because with the bullet, it was a word that they could use, and then you would put someone like Pete Werner on the field in 2019, and it turned out that that did all the bullet things that they wanted to do, even if they weren't calling him the bullet and he wasn't a safety. that was almost more of just a, 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 a a word. Whereas with the Jack, it is clearly a different position that is used in a different way. You're putting a, you're taking in one of the 11 pieces off the field and putting a different 11th piece on that does different things. So it, it, it's a bigger change to the defense than the bullet is in a lot of ways, because the bullet was more just a personnel thing. The, the, uh, the Jack is a scheme thing. Yeah. But also, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Mitchell Melton as kind of the probably the best guy for the Jack. We spent a lot of time saying Court Williams was the best guy for the Bullet, and unfortunately, he has not stayed healthy. Court Williams, you can say the exact same thing about Mitchell Melton. Unfortunately, he has not stayed healthy enough to even be a linebacker when he was just that, or just a defensive end when he was just that. So I am not going. I kind of agree with Doug here, where I'm just not going to put a lot of energy into this position that right now the be- the guy who might be best able to play it is injured right now and probably isn't going to be fully ready to go until fall camp. So we're going to put all our energy into that when I do think Jack Sawyer is a good gauge of whether or not this position is worth it at Ohio State the same way it was worth it at Oklahoma State or at Duke because Jack Sawyer is going to be your other starting defensive end. Do you really want to spend half of the spring trying to get him to be be in a role that clearly is not working if it's not working this is if it's not working it may be working we make it spring practice and jack sawyer is all over the place doing jack stuff and he's awesome and then this comp what i'm saying right now is irrelevant but as we stand right now it's just as likely that they haven't made much process progress with it and do you really want to spend half your spring practice getting nowhere with the position with a guy who is now your second starting defensive end when last year it was probably a little easier to do that when he was third in the rotation behind jt2 and malo and zach zach harrison all right, Nathan Baird, last pick in this draft of intriguing spring Buckeyes to you. So I had trouble narrowing this down to one person. I think we can just have a wider conversation about this position. But with Fleming and Ibuka both out this spring, just opens up a lot of reps and snaps and however you want to say it for young receivers. And who from that 2022 class makes a year to move? Was it somebody who maybe got here later? Is it somebody who, uh, I mean, nobody really had an opportunity for a lot of snaps out of that group. Uh, Maybe someone like Caleb Brown 
jumps to the forefront for me because of his versatility, because Ibuka specifically won't be playing the spring. And if he is more of a slot guy and is the heir apparent there, um, but also if someone like Caleb Brown were to emerge in a big way, do they feel that they can play Ibuka outside more and give him some snaps in, in a real way with the, with the first string offense when the fall comes around? So that's just a name that I would throw out there. But there's other names that you could mention from that that last year's freshman group, the freshman group that's coming in. It's it's a weird balance right now because it's there wouldn't seem to be a starting lineup spot here up for grabs. We think, I mean, Julian Fleming was actually really solid last year. And if he's healthy, I think he's their third receiver and, and, leads in snap is third in snaps for the, the third most important receiver this fall but there's clearly an, an hierarchy that has to start to form behind them and um things could kind of log jamie for some guys pretty soon if you don't start making a move so i feel like this spring and into the off season which of these receivers these young receivers starts to maybe build some buzz so but ballard's four i right? maybe yeah no, why? I I don't know that that's a maybe. I think that's well, no, no. Four. I think he's number four I think right he's now. Five. I I don't know. I think he might be five because Xavier Johnson's back. Uh, well, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, so, whatever okay. Xavier Johnson is, Xavier Johnson is the backup at every but, position on the field, including but, defensive tackle. But yeah. with that correction, I think they don't they kind of know what Jaden Ballard is at this point. Like going into his third year, I no. think what he is as an mm-hmm. athlete is sort of established. No, I think he's mm-hmm. a slow burn development guy yeah. that we don't know what that upside looks like. I am not intrigued by the receivers because I don't think there's any playing time. So like for the future, sure. But for 2023, I, to what you said, Nathan, we know who the top three are. All the starters are back. And then we actually know who four and five are. And so whatever these guys, you know, Julian and Emeka are out, but whatever they do in the spring, I don't think it matters. So not for this year. Whereas I think a lot of the other people we've talked about so far could absolutely could matter for this year. So Steven, I personally did not have any receivers on this list. I get it. Cause you're always curious. It's the most dynamic position group potentially in college football. So you're always curious about what's next. But the other thing is probably the most interesting guy of what's next. Isn't going to be here yet. Cause Brandon Ennis is not here for spring football. So I, this was not on my list, Steven. It, it wasn't, it didn't make my list. I thought about it though, um, because it's, it's kind of a non-consequential intrigue because there's a chance some of these freshmen might start ju- jumping some sophomores and we haven't really seen, I mean, Jackson Smith, the Jigba jumped Jamison Williams before the 21 season, but I don't know. I, I'm not all the way sure that maybe ja- it wouldn't have been a four man situation in that, si- in that c- circumstance if, if Jamison Williams hadn't a chance or just Jamison needed to leave to be a first round draft pick somewhere obviously. But for the first time, we have a room where behind the scenes, there's a chance where there might be some exodus just because guys are getting jumped because the room has been built up so highly touted the way it has. But it's so, to your point, it's so non-consequential because it's top, the top five guys are all back that it's like, okay, they when player X potentially transfers and there's like, what does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything right now because Kyle McCoy has still got the best weapons in the room. And I, I hear what you're saying, Doug. Okay. But but I also like number one. There's a reason why this is the last pick because we've covered a lot of other things that are going to be very present for the fall of 2023. But all those guys that we mentioned, the the three starters and Xavier Johnson are all gone next year. So I just I you know this is where some of that starts building for the the guy who comes in next. The guys, it's going to be multiple guys. That's our nine player draft. 
nine spots for the most intriguing Buckeyes for spring football. After this break, we'll come back and wrap this up. Anybody else on our list that didn't get in the top nine? We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan and Steven back. Again, NFL Combine happening this week. Make sure you are reading cleveland.com. Not just cleveland.com slash OSU, but cleveland.com slash sports. We're doing sort of some big picture NFL stuff from the Combine. We have 10 plus people at the Combine from cleveland.com. Again, I would argue that any any individual local entity that's not a national structure like ESPN, I don't know that anybody has more than we do. So we're going to have great Combine coverage all week, certainly from an Ohio State perspective, certainly from a Browns perspective. We have a three-person crew of Bengals writers, certainly from a Bengals perspective, but also from an NFL perspective. So if you care about the Combine, if you care about this NFL offseason, cleveland.com slash sports has you covered. Also a great time to be a tech subscriber. We'll be texting stuff about the Ohio State guys at the Combine Anything we're hearing about C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Johnson, Zach J- uh, Harrison, everybody there, 614-350-3315. So I had my nine. Six of the nine got drafted. Zed Mahalski and Davis and Igbenosin were mentioned. The only guy that – and this guy was mentioned in passing, but I, I did have Kai Stokes on my list, Stephen, of a guy that he was sort of mentioned in the Sunny style safety conversation, but – just in the realm of any other guys who could be a woe guy, who could be a this guy's got to be on the field one way or another guy, a how exactly are they using this guy guy. Mm-hmm. I think Kai Stokes is in that conversation. Was he someone you considered, Stephen? I definitely considered him. Uh, and it's because I kind of paired him with Jihad Carter because it seems like, you know, Jihad Carter has been brought in to be like the, it's almost a Tanner McAllister, Cameron Martinez conversation all over again of, except Tanner McAllister also knew the defense. Jihad Carter's learning the defense at the same time Kai Stokes is. So does this seem like something where Jihad Carter may end up being the starter? But if Kai Stokes is the starter by the time we get to the Michigan game, I won't be shocked wholeheartedly. I wouldn't be shocked by that just because the upside is more there. So I want to see if he can continue to – I would love to see if he continues to build on the momentum he had a year ago and kind of do the Marvin Harrison thing. Not to that extreme of what he did on the field, but just Marvin Harrison started – the momentum for Marvin Harrison started when he was a backup. And then it continued on when he was finally a starter. Can we see a a similar – projection for Kai Stokes, even if it doesn't end with him being a unanimous All-American. Steven, was there anybody else that you had on your list that did not get picked? Yeah, I, I had Joe Royer on my list. Just because, We know Cade Stover is a starting line, starting tight end, but they like to do t- two tight end stuff here, and, and Mitch Rossi is gone, and we've talked a lot about G. Scott, and Joe Royer was so out of sight, out of mind, because he was injured all year, and at best, he was third on the tight end pecking order, but you know, he got some snaps in the Georgia game because they had no other choices. Um, does is he get fully healthy and can he kind of jump G Scott here and be the second tight end and keep that 12 personnel packages open for Ohio State? Because they still love to do that. And it seems like uh, we talk about the receiving skills that G Scott had. Joe Royer was a receiver coming out of high school too, and he was a pretty good one, even if he was always destined to be a tight end. So I, he's intriguing to me. He's low though. This is why he didn't actually yeah. make my list. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to put a tight end on the list, I would have put Jelani Thurman as an early enroll freshman guy. I want to get eyeballs on that guy. Like I'm, I'm, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I think he's going to jump and be the number two tight end as a true freshman, but it just feels like maybe Thurman coming in is the most interesting package of tight end skills since they got Jeremy Ruckert as a big time national recruited tight end. So I'm, I'm super intrigued by Jelani Thurman. Nathan, anybody that was on your list that didn't get drafted? 
uh, guys that you've been mentioning, and I, I would have maybe put both Royer and G Scott together as one thing, but I, I, I think ultimately more, I agree with, with you, Doug, that, um, I, I just don't know what, what the, the, the huge ceiling is there compared to someone like Thurman. Um, and we mentioned guys that I had on my list, Dave Davison, Igbenosan and, and Tegra Shibola. Um, another, but we, at one point we were, when, when Ohio state, before we found out what we found out on February 1st, we had thrown this concept out there like, well, what if Luke Montgomery is like really good and shows up here and they have to start him on day one. And I don't, that, I don't think that's actually now probably in the cards. I don't think that would probably happen, but let's, let's see how he looks this spring. And if it, pushes him towards a, a a depth chart spot next year because the left tackle thing and the right tackle thing to some extent is as a multi-year issue like they didn't have it wasn't just they didn't have somebody ready for 2023 they didn't have clearly an answer at left tackle for 2024 like this is like a long-term thing that they have to solve does josh fire solve that or does luke montgomery show up and look like a big deal and give them some flexibility going into that second year okay we hope that got you a little bit ready for spring football. You're hearing this. We dropped it on Tuesday. The first Ohio State spring football practice is scheduled for next Tuesday. So when that practice starts, we expect to be talking to people. We expect to be getting some eyeballs on things. Again, this is a great opportunity to be a tech subscriber in this window. You'd get If you did a two-week free trial, you'd get combine stuff, and then you get the start of spring football. That can be... That could be really interesting. So 614-350-3315. It's a two-week free trial. You send a text to that. You get a link back to sign up, and then you can sign up and not have to pay for two weeks. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU for our coverage of the Buckeyes, and we hope you are subscribed to Buckeye Talk wherever you listen to us, so that way uh, you never miss a single episode. So it's just a busy time. Basketball's winding down. The combine is here. Football's getting ready to start. And we are happy to be here with you on Buckeye Talk, doing it five days a week. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.